1: Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you've missed any of my Talk
2: Radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy.
3: Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
2: Matt Hancock, the health secretary who joins us. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Why is Leicester seeing a spike in coronavirus cases?
3: Well, we don't exactly know, but we know that it's happening. Uh, And my heart goes out to the people of Leicester. Uh, uh, You know, whilst the rest of the country is able to lift some of the lockdown measures uh, on uh, Saturday, um, unfortunately, we just have got to I'll get this under control in the city of Leicester where the number of cases is much, much higher as a, you know, as a proportion of the population than anywhere else. And, and so we are, we, we, you know, the, what matters most is that we take the action that's necessary. And of course, we're working to get to the bottom of it.
2: OK, uh, now, we, look, we knew that local lockdowns were going to happen, was going to happen. We knew that the, us coming out as a nation from lockdown, that this was going to be how we would we would tackle local outbreaks. Um, and yet we spoke to the uh, mayor of uh, Leicester, Sir Peter Salisbury, I'm talking to him again this morning. Uh, but yesterday he said, look, he hadn't gotten inf- information from your department until sort of early hours of yesterday morning, uh, even when this was already being mooted as a possible need for a lockdown that it even suggested that there were uh, there was a spike. Um, and yet it looks like the, the Department for Health was getting word of a spike 11 days ago. Why has it taken so long to share that information with local elected officials on the ground?
3: Well, this uh, yes, we, we, we shared the data last week with his public health officials. And um, I, I'm very glad that Sir Peter has now come round to the view that we need to take this action. And is supporting the action on the ground. Of course, we've been trying to work hard with the council over the last ten days. And if you think about it, you know we've been taking local action in, all, in lots of different areas. Um, in, in Keithley, we worked with the local council, who are absolutely brilliant, and we uh, we tackled an outbreak that there was there. Uh, there was a factory that had to close and it didn't lead to community transmission. Unfortunately, in Leicester, we've taken over the last couple of weeks exactly that sort of action, put in the extra mobile testing units, um, and and worked very hard with the public health officials at the council who are excellent. Uh, And uh, it, it was clear that that wasn't working well enough and so we had to take this further action that only a national government can
2: take. So everyone in officialdom has been excellent and yet we're seeing this spike. Does that tell us that the local people in Leicester aren't social distancing and aren't doing their bit and haven't been obeying the law? Because if they were socially distancing, there wouldn't be a spread in the community, would there? So should we we stop tiptoeing around and 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 ask the question is this because people have not been obeying the lockdown rules properly and that's why it's spreading or is there another reason
3: well it, it is it's clear that people do need to uh, follow the social distancing so they rules. haven't been uh, uh, well we've seen examples of that and we've got to make sure that people do uh, and unfortunately if you know if we do see local outbreaks then we are going to have to take this sort of action to get them under control.
2: OK, but again, it, it, if we are seeing local outbreaks, it's very important that we identify the cause of them, the reason for them, so that other, other people can learn lessons and other areas can learn the lesson. If this is a, you know, a, down to a meat packing factory, as opposed, like it has been yeah. in another area, then, then, then OK, we know to tackle that issue. If this is a large uh, section of the population of Leicester simply ignoring social distancing rules, carrying on as normal, not obeying the law, then that tells us uh, that people need to learn lessons from that.
3: Well, that's right. And hence, we're putting in place this further action and the communications that are necessary to get those messages through alongside the um, working with um, the, the, the factories in Leicester where we've seen outbreaks to make sure that people do isolate if they've been in contact with a positive case. So all of that has been going on, but it was just clear that we needed to take further action.
2: Okay. We've been told repeatedly that uh, the schools is not where the virus is being uh, passed on. There's no evidence of children passing it on to to adults and children are very unlikely to get very ill. Why are the schools in Leicester being closed then?
3: Uh, I'm afraid you haven't been hearing that. Uh, Certainly not from me or from any of the uh, public health experts that, uh, that, uh, that advised me. Um, w- w- the good news is that, sc- that, sc- that children uh, appear to be very, very low risk uh, from this disease. So
2: why are you closing uh, the schools?
3: Because children still risk transmitting the disease. So they themselves are safe, uh, but they can still transmit the disease. It's a really important distinction. I, I, I believe, in, I, but
2: no, I believe an awful lot of the evidence that's been coming out from other countries is that actually there's 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 very low risk of children passing on the infection to adults. Uh,
3: well, I'm afraid that isn't the right? uh, the uh, clinical advice that and and the summary you know of all the clinical advice. I know there have been some studies that have shown that, but unfortunately, so, so why are you t- why are you telling why are you telling
2: middling, mid, millions of parents that it's safe for their kids to go back to school then?
3: Uh, Well, it is uh, absolutely safe for the kids. uh, And where there is very little disease in the community, uh, then it's also safe for the community. But where, as in Leicester, there's a higher level of disease in the community and the virus is going up as opposed to coming down, uh, then we do have to take action just as we had to in the peak across the whole country right. in terms of closing schools.
2: Um, let's just talk about how it's going to work in Leicester, though, in terms of you know, where is the boundary? Have you decided at which point, uh, you know, on one side of the road, uh, uh, yeah. a, a school has to be closed and a, a shop has to be closed. On the other side of the road, it doesn't. Are you going to have roadblocks? so people are going to be allowed to travel in and out of Leicester? How will it work?
3: Yeah, so the, the this will cover the whole conurbation of Leicester because the formal city of Leicester is uh, actually only part of the of the conurbation. There's a whole load of, uh, of areas that are technically in the county of Leicester Shire, uh, but still are in the Leicester conurbation. That's going to be all going to be included. And the county council this morning is going to publish the exact map of where this uh, covers. And um, the um, but again, you know, that is a, a matter for a local decision. Um, uh, On the point about travel, really important point, we're recommending against all but essential travel in, out and within uh, Leicester. Uh, But clearly, again, people have followed these sorts of recommendations when that's been the the government policy. We we can take further action if we need to and put in place uh, more stringent legal controls on that. Uh, but I hope that we don't have to because I hope the people of Leicester will uh, will, will okay. follow the social distancing okay. as necessary.
2: Just finally and briefly, I know you've got other interviews to get to, but um, uh, the furlough scheme is due to change in August, uh, but we're going to be seeing possibly these, these, lots of these businesses really being very, very stuck right now in Leicester because they're not able to reopen. Uh, will you, if necessary, extend the furlough scheme for areas where they are experiencing local lockdowns to make sure you can save and those we- jobs?
3: Well, the good news is that the the furlough scheme uh, is there for people in Leicester uh, right now. And um, obviously, there's, of course, there's endless questions about the future. But for people in uh, Leicester now, we've given support to the council so that they can pass on, uh, at their discretion, support to businesses. um, And the furlough scheme is in place. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app.
4: Get started today at plushcare.com/slash-weight-loss. That's plushcare.com/slash-weight-loss. Plushcare.com/slash-weight-loss.
0: Across the UK, online
3: on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio.
2: Right now, uh, let's talk about those trade deals. Yeah, lots of focus on EU trade deal. Lots of focus on an American trade deal post Brexit. Because. Just a reminder to the Remainers, we have already left. We're in a transition period right now. We are uh, already a third country in that respect in dealing with the, uh, the, the EU. But uh, as we spoke to the Australian High Commissioner just a few weeks ago, we're also looking at free trade, trade deals with many other countries. Well, I'm delighted to say after those trade deal talks have uh, started officially, George Brandis, the Australian High Commissioner, joins me once again to tell us how they're going. Good morning to you, Mr Brandis.
0: Good morning, Julia. How are you? I'm
2: very well indeed. Well, you sound very cheerful. So I'm hoping those trade talks are going well. How well are they going?
0: Well, they only began yesterday, uh, Julia. Um, The the launch of them was two weeks ago. um, And uh, the um, the officials uh, uh, sharpened their pencils and sat down virtually, of course, to... uh, begin the, the hard bargaining yesterday for the first session. But I think we, I, I can say that both I and the Australian Minister, Simon Birmingham, and, and your fabulous Minister, Liz Truss, are very optimistic uh, that we can get this done. Both of the ministers have said that they expect that this particular uh, free trade agreement uh, will be a matter of months, not years, because the complementarities between our two economies, uh, the, the um, our systems... Um, uh, our laws, our business practices, so many other things are just so much in harmony between Britain and Australia. So no trade agreement is easy because it is a negotiation and there will be sensitivities. Um, I think agriculture may be a sensitivity uh, for some um, and there will be others as well. But overall, I think we can say that the Australia-UK FTA is is just a, a deal that has really got to happen. Uh, and we're very optimistic that it will be a win-win for both countries.
2: Now, of course, uh, under the arrangements uh, we have with the EU legally, even after giving notice uh, the under Article 50, uh, the UK was not allowed to have any official uh, talks or any trading ne- negotiation whatsoever with any third-party countries outside the EU. Uh, so um, we understand, though, when it came to America, Australia, New Zealand, other big countries, perhaps they have been, shall we say, um Gentle conversations behind the scenes about what might or might not be uh, in a a trade deal. Um, How close do you think we are? Are we months away, weeks away? Is it likely that the first trade deal that we do sign outside the EU will be with Australia?
0: Well, of course, that would be nice from our point of view and also would be symbolically very satisfying, too. Um, I think it would be unrealistic to say we're weeks away. Uh, I think it's not unrealistic to say that we are months away and... um, as you said, uh, Julia, after um, the Brexit referendum in 2016, although the UK as a withdrawing state wasn't able to formally commence negotiations uh, with other countries, nevertheless, your officials and ours have had five series of preliminary meetings, a kind of a, a pre-negotiation to scope out areas of potential difference so that now that they've actually sat down in a formal negotiating session, they know the lie of the land
2: OK. Um, what's going to be in it, though, for the British people listening right now, what's in it for them to have a, a, a free trade deal of any sort or, or some sort of trade deal with Australia um, when, you know, we can already buy Australian goods, or you can already ride by British goods. Again, something that lots of people who are obsessed with the EU seem to forget that international trade happens all the time without uh, specific trade agreements. But Boris Johnson's talked before about the Tam Tam tax or the tariffs. is 8% tariff on a particular chocolate bar that uh, the Australian Sell. Um, what, what other than other than perhaps eight percent off a chocolate bar? What's in it for the Brits?
0: Well, right across the whole economy, goods and so free trade agreements are basically about four things: the, the free the free movement of goods, services, capital, and people. Uh, now, when it comes to goods and services, what we want is to lower and uh, and ideally eliminate tariffs and uh, reduce uh, and ideally eliminate quotas on both sides so that they uh, so that australian goods will be cheaper in the united kingdom and goods and services and uk goods and services will be cheaper in australia as well as that we look to uh, free up the flow of investment which is always already very strong by the way uh, the united kingdom is australia's second biggest source of, um, of foreign investment um, and as well i'm ambitious that we can do something about um, making it easier for our citizens particularly our young people to live and work uh, in each other's countries because that not only has an economic benefit but of course in a in a very human way it fosters greater people to people links and, and 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 greater mutual understanding
2: so we may have more Aussies heading over here to get some sort of work experience students or the like, or settling here. But but much yeah. easier also for Brits to go over to Australia because currently you've got the, the points-based immigration system that many have wanted here in the UK where and they're bringing in gradually. Um, but actually, you know, you have to, if you've got the sort of, if you're young and healthy, you've got skills that the Australian economy needs, then you're welcome with open arms. Otherwise, no thank you.
0: Well, except, I mean, that's a, a, a basis for permanent settlement. Um, what we're talking about are visa categories which will enable people to live and work um, for a limited but longer period of time okay. than they are able to live and work at the moment. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, there are, as you know, uh, and your listeners know, Julia, there are so many um, uh, young um, uh, Brits who, uh, who flock to Bondi Beach and flock to all the great places we have in Australia and flock to the Outback for their gap year and... Uh, Uh, We want to expand that, and and I want to see more Aussies enjoy the and, and, and be exposed to the, the brilliance of this country, too.
2: Okay. Well, let's also talk about what an Australian trade deal with the UK could lead to, uh, sort of helping to pave the way for us to join. And, and I think a lot of people find this utterly bizarre, but joining the TPP, uh, the uh, Trans Pacific Partnership, sort of a trade deal around the, the biggest sort of Asian trading nations uh, and, uh, and Australia uh, uh, around the Pacific. A lot of people find it quite bizarre that, that we on the other side of the world could be part of that partnership. How would that work?
0: Well, that's a bigger story, you see, Julia. I mean, if if Brexit means anything, it means global Britain. I mean, the two go hand in glove together. Uh, Once um, you leave the European Union, uh, you are entirely free to uh, to pursue uh, your interests, including your trading interests around the world, the way you used to do, by the way. I mean, the United Kingdom used to have a, a very large volume of trade. Uh, with East Asia in, in years gone by, but what has happened in the 43 years that you've been uh, members of the European Union or the, the, uh, the common market as it used to be called, the East Asian economies have become the engine room, of the uh, the economic engine room of the world, and everybody agrees that that will continue to be um, the case. So while uh, the United Kingdom has been focused on, um, on Europe uh, as its primary trading bloc, World trade has shifted to the other hemisphere, and the the most obvious threshold for the United Kingdom and for Britain to get back into the game in the most economically active part of the world is through your friends in Australia. So we're a foundation member of the CPTPP, as it's called, uh, the Comprehensive um, uh, 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 Trans-Pacific Partnership of 11 nations. Um, and uh, your Secretary of State for International Trade List Trust has announced that it's uh, the United Kingdom's government's, United Kingdom government's policy to seek accession to the CPTPP. And uh, Australia will assist and encourage that because although maybe we might have to change its name, I don't know, because you're not <laughs> Pacific... You're not, a, you're not a Pacific power geographically, but you've always been... Uh, a Pacific power emotionally, Julia. I mean, there are so many Commonwealth nations (laughs) in the Pacific that still feel a, a, a great kinship with the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, a lot of smaller countries who are members of the Commonwealth as well. So we want to welcome you to the CPTPP as well. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio
2: talking a lot about Leicester, that local lockdown this morning. Very first uh, area of the country, very first city to experience a local lockdown since we've come out of the full scale lockdown. Indeed, just days before we come out into sort of some semblance of normal life with the pubs and restaurants and the hairdressers reopening on Saturday, but not for Leicester. Uh, Peter Soulsby joins us. Uh, He's the Labour elected mayor of the city of Leicester. uh, And he joined us yesterday in which he was saying that there was really no need uh, for a local lockdown. But today he joins us once again. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning. June. Good morning. Um, have you changed your mind after seeing the local data? Well, Do you think we should go ahead? It
4: was uh, what nearly two weeks ago when the Secretary of State said he believed there was an outbreak in Leicester, uh, and it was only yesterday that they provided us with uh, any sort of data to justify that. Well, you
2: told me that uh, yesterday, but Matt Hancock just just told me about five minutes ago that they they over a week ago they provided the data to your public health officials.
4: No, they da- they downloaded the first uh, bunch of data uh, on Thursday last. Uh, but it was only yesterday they put it all together uh, and said that they uh, believed that it did amount to a need to intervene. And that's the best part two weeks from saying they uh, believed there to be an outbreak here. And uh, that's been a very frustrating two weeks for uh, all of us, because, of course, uh, we have been, uh, like everybody else, uh, continuing to prepare for the reopening, uh, the uh, Liberation Day on, uh, on Saturday. Well, indeed. Uh, but uh, it's, no, you... uh, it's very frustrating now uh, that uh, having spent those two weeks preparing for liberation, we've got to go back into lockdown.
2: But do you think that was the right decision? Oh, yes.
4: I, I've, I've, no, I've no doubt. You know, if, there, if there is an outbreak in Leicester, we need to be on top of it. Uh, it Maybe a bit later coming to it, but uh, you know, it's it's better that we do it and we do it effectively and comprehensively in the way that uh, is now being uh, uh, planned and, uh, and prepared for than uh, that we do it half-heartedly.
2: And, uh, and do you think that the people of Leicester are prepared for this and, and, and will go along with it? I mean, uh, we, we're being told that even the, the new powers, uh, it's, still, it's still an element of lockdown uh, from Saturday These These are no longer going to be laws. They're just going to be advice. But uh, Matt Hancock has said that he will actually pass, you know, there'll be legislation to, to in, you know, ensure this lockdown does happen in Leicester. But are the people of Leicester genuinely saying fair enough if that's what's necessary to protect lives? Or is there going to be quite a lot of anger?
4: Uh, I think there'll be quite a lot of frustration because I think, like me, you know, people will be saying, well, if this is necessary, why didn't you tell us earlier? And why, you know, why, why didn't we get onto it uh, earlier when you first uh, suspected that there was an issue here? Uh, that would have been the time to intervene. But uh, we are where we are. And uh, I think that uh, overwhelmingly, Leicester people will recognise that uh, taking the uh, the very firm measures that are now being taken uh, is in our best interest long term. Uh because obviously, the firmer we are now, the sooner we'll get out of this.
2: Indeed. And if you manage to get to the bottom of why this has happened in Leicester rather than anywhere else, there seem to be a variety of different answers. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, didn't uh, seem to know any or was willing to say any. Some talking about lots of people working in local meat packing factories where the, the conditions are rife, with cold, wet conditions. A lot of people talking about deprivation, um, uh, language barriers preventing, I don't know why language barriers prevent people from exercising no. social distancing. But there's a particular concern that, that the two areas of that most seem to be seeing these spikes are Evington and Spinney Hill both have mainly Asian uh, local communities and there seems to be some concern again, people are tiptoeing around this but it's a question I'm asking I don't know the answer I'm asking you the question is it the case that certain communities are not obeying the lockdown or is it that it's difficult for certain communities if they live in, uh, for instance three generation households in small homes it's difficult for them to obey social distancing are any of those factors in play?
4: There is no evidence that it's uh, particular communities uh, or particular issues. Yeah. It looks as if it's uh, quite uh, a variety of different factors that are uh, perhaps combining to uh, to cause this spike in the figures in Leicester. Uh, but this is one of the reasons that we've been asking for the figures from the government because uh, what we need is not just the overall numbers for the city, but we need to know by community, by neighbourhood, by street level, uh, where the uh, positive cases are occurring, and then we at a local level can, uh, can yeah. intervene uh, and give advice. I uh, say so it's been really, incredibly frustrating. We got the first uh, load of figures from them that uh, gave us a bit of the street level data last Thursday. Well, you know, we're a long time into this, uh, this virus and a long time into the testing uh, for us finally to be getting the figures. But yes. we've got it now. Uh, we are collaborating with the government. We will cooperate with this. We will want to make this work. Across the UK,
3: online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio.
2: Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.